0: Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. That didn't happen, so amen. How y'all doing? Y'all good today? He is God, isn't he? That's such a declarative statement. Um, Every now and then you gotta tell yourself that. There's stuff in your life ain't God. Folk in the street and you crazy ain't God. What you're going through ain't God, but He is God. Sometimes you need to just remind yourself of that when you forget that He is God. So um, what's great is as we are um, getting ready To work on a building project, and you know we've been trying to raise two hundred thousand. As of this morning, we have one hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we five thousand dollars away from our goal in six weeks in six weeks somebody say six weeks so God is good God is good now y'all don't know how miraculous that is because an inner-city church isn't supposed to be able to generate that but a God in heaven who is our supplier Amen. Everybody for those of you who um, went in and was generous, 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 generous. And so this is what we're gonna need this week. You know what we're trying to do? Trying to get us get by this school, we're trying to get the school going, engage our neighborhood, daycare center, technology center, business development center, all of those different a beauty supply store, all that stuff we're doing. Amen. And uh, y'all know y'all like pastors, you just adding stuff. I said yup. yup. I say, yup, I serve a big God, why not dream big? Um and um, and so, at the end of this week, we're putting our bid into the city. Amen. 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 133,000 square feet. Sometimes I just go over there. I don't even say, man, When we I just go over there. I say, look at our building, man. Look at our building. <laughs> look at you. You wait for us, ain't you? You just wait for us to come up in there and do something. Ain't you? And so, I'm real excited about that. And I'm excited. Usually, during a process of trying to get a facility, usually... You come at the end of the process, but one of the things me and the elders wanted to do was include you in the faith process. Um, Sometimes when you get at the end of something and you experience it, you didn't really see what it took for God to do it. And so we wanted you all to be praying. So this week you got to pray because when you're trying to do something transformative, there is a slew foot joker in the spirit realm that does not like when the people of God decide they're not just going to have church, but be the church. Yeah. And, and, and in light of that reality, I want you praying. We're going to fast this week from 12 midnight Tuesday, which really is Monday night, but I mean Tuesday, but tomorrow night at midnight to um, uh, noon on Tuesday, I want us to fast and spend our normal time eating, praying, and just mindful of the things of God and praying. We have, and, and do that on Tuesday. And and Thursday, from midnight to noon, we're we're fasting and praying before the Lord. At 6 a.m. on Tuesday and Thursday, we're going to have a prayer call. And um, because one of the things that we know is that as we move in this direction, there is going to be resistance. And so, um, you always prepare for for resistance. You don't wait till resistance comes. Um, And so, but the Bible teaches us that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And so, and so we want to be praying. And so that when we put this bid in. And, and, and whatever all of the processes we have to go through to, to get it, we want to be able to go through it, but wanted to let you know that our God is still in the business of making sure that we're equipped to do what he's called us to do. So why don't you grab hands across the aisle real quick. I want, I want us to do just some general congregational prayer, just some general congregational prayer, um, some prayer where... Um, you just go up before the God of Heaven, praying against strongholds, thanking Him for providing, asking Him to continue to provide, and and because um, we want to see this gospel get out into our city, both through proclamation and through practice. One, two, three. Start praying, and I'll finish. Go. Yes. Yes. Thank you, thank you, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. What a magnificent God you are. Magnificent and powerful to give breakthroughs and powerful to provide. God, you have given this congregation the vineyard task of being on the front lines. Um, That's our calling as a church. We're called to be on the front lines doing the work of service. God, I pray for every person that puts their hand to the plow with us, will you pour fresh oil on their life? Will you, will, you, will you renew their spirit, Lord God? And God, because they don't realize that there's a battle that we're getting into more deeply and that there will be attacks and attempts to discourage, attempt to get them off the missiological path of making disciples of all nations. And so, God, I pray that you, I pray for them like you pray for Peter. I pray that that you will stand in the day of temptation. The devil knew that you were going to use Peter for powerful things, and so he tried to sift him like wheat. But, God, you being a forgiven God, turned him and brought him back. And then a few, literally... A few days after he denied you, he preached and 10,000 people came to Jesus. (laughs) What a restorative gospel. And good God, you are. So, God, I pray for the men and women here. Help them to see themselves as missionaries. We many times, we like to call ourselves worshipers, but we're also, the worship makes itself into mission. And so, God, be exalted among the heathens. Be exalted among the nations. Use us to exalt your name in a ferociously loud way through practical means and proclamational communication. God, we love you and we're trusting you. And we don't even know how all this is going to work out in the sense of how we're going to get the rest of the stuff done. We just know we're supposed to follow you in the way that we're following you, and you seem to be providing the pieces as we go along. (laughs) It's funny, God. We were thinking of a lower number of asking to raise, and you you called us to double it, and here you are providing (laughs) it. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for being a God who provides. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you excited to walk by faith and not by sight? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's uh, open our Bibles and get ready for the Word. How many of you ready for the Word today? That was whack. How many of y'all ready for the Word today? All right. All right. Um, When I mention this passage, like, don't hate because you got to stick with me. All right? Trust me. Y'all trust me? Somebody said kind of, huh? Okay. Malachi 3, 7 through 12. See, I told you. Malachi 3, 7 through 12. I want us to read this with new eyes. With new eyes. With new eyes. One, two, three, read. Mm-hmm. you how can we return? Will the man bow? Yet you are robbing me. How do we rob you? Yes. Because I'm not making the payments of the tent in the contributions. Yeah. You are suffering under a curse. Yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tent into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. hmm Yes, Lord. will and without the for you so that not and will not fail to the And all nations will consider you fortunate, for you will says the Lord Amen. 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 Today, I want to talk about the right motivation for generosity. Repeat after me. No, no. no. More, more curses. curses. Amen. 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 <laughs> Y'all are going to get it as we get in the message. You're going to shout in the message. You may not shout now, but you'll understand what we mean by that. Lord, what a beautiful God you are. You are such a flagrantly generous God. Oh, God, teach us, teach us how to reflect your generosity. Thank you for all that you've done in Jesus, and help us to see what you've done in Jesus, even in this text. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, oh God, our strength and our Redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that? Said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. No more curses. Um, you know, there's, you know, I uh, get why so many believers and non-Christians have a funny disposition towards giving. One of the reasons is because we as pastors have done not the best job of talking about the heart of giving. Um, And the way we've talked about it has nurtured um, the hearts of people to have a cosmic genie relationship with God. That cosmic cosmic genie relationship with God is viewing God as the slot machine in the sky. If I put a quarter in, I'll get this back. And that's the only, there's an element of that that I get, and that's even biblical. But that's not the heart of giving. It's not the heart of generosity. It's not even, it doesn't even, that's not even the beauty of it. Um, the worst part about it is when people become uh, 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 um, molested by money. When we say, when we believe that, um, we, we begin to do what I call uh, uh, exegetical witchcraft. I'll talk about that in a second, When we begin to tell people if you give money to God, you'll get a spouse. Now, I would love. For you to show me that in anywhere in the Bible, that you have to pay God for a spouse. If that's the case, how Adam and Eve got together. All right, anyway, he ain't give nothing. All right. Um, You're going to get a new house if you give. You're going to get healed if you give. In other words, it creates this relationship with giving that make people excited about giving, which leads to idolatry of money and idolatry of what God has for me versus a disposition of passion and desire and love for God, <coughs> and, love for God and beautiful kingdom impact. So as we look at that reality and, and, and come to this passage, this is one of the most abused passages in the Bible. Um, because if they really understood um, the implications of teaching this in context to New Testament believers, um, then you're putting yourself under the whole law. I'll talk about that in a second in Galatians. If you put yourself under any principle of the law, you've got to keep the whole thing. Okay? Now, we got to explain that. We can't go around and tell Hebrew Israelites that the law has been done away with, but we teach tithing as a rule of life. <laughs> and so when we look at the Scriptures and we begin, I, I, wanna, I want you to journey with me. Don't put, don't put snooze on me today. I want you to stay with me because I want to take you on a hermeneutical and exegetical journey. I want to take you on a hermeneutical journey because hermeneutics is the art and science of studying Scripture. There's sometimes this will feel preachy, teachy, and seminary, but whatever one it is today, I want you to begin to zoom lens in because I think this is key to your development in your fellowship with God, but also in your practice of generosity. And so today, I want you to put, uh, put on your thinking caps, but open your heart. So don't leave your mind at the door. Um, So so we come to a passage that um, is is, is the last book of the our Tanakh, or our Old Testament. The the children of Israel have gotten (coughs) out of captivity from Babylon and out of Persia. And now they are back in the promised land, and they are back in the promised land, and and, and God is calling them to re-engage their original mission to set up Israel in Jerusalem as the light of the world so that the name of God through the example of the people of God may go out globally. That's always been God's desire It's for global missions through a people of God who makes a, 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 a people out of all people. Amen. Oh, that was rich there. <laughs> God wants to make a people out of all people, but he uses a people to get to all people. And so here in this passage, he begins to jam up the priests because usually a lot of it starts with leadership. He begins jamming up the leadership because they have a a, 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 a low-level disposition, a low-level disposition towards the Lord now. Oh, this is going to be interesting. And God begins jamming them up. Uh, because they they've gotten they, they they've just done life as usual, or if I can say church as usual, without the heart of what God wanted them to do. Oh, <laughs> and so they began giving sacrifices and some <laughs> priests just going like that. You know what I'm saying? Just, just, and, and talking and, you know, you know, can you imagine, like, it would be the equivalent of them having an iPhone and somebody saying, somebody, they're coming up and they're going like this and they're on social media and they bring a sacrifice. He, he said, yeah, sprinkle the blood on them and throw the sacrifice. I mean, they were, had that disposition. Husbands were treating their wives crazy. Wow. They were divorcing for any kind of reason. So we get out of there, God hates divorce. Wow. And, 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 and then we come over to this passage. And we see that the Lord begins challenging them about giving, about their disposition towards giving, which brings me to my first. I got one point, but a lot of information. Um, One point. This is it. Generosity is a barometer for where you are with God. Generosity is a barometer for where you are with God. Notice I said a, not the. That's, that's important. That's a good word, so, look so, at verse 7. So look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. It says, since the days of your fathers, you have turned from my statutes. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. <laughs> Stop right there. So, it's interesting here in the passage that God, before he talks about giving... <laughs> Deals with the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He 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 didn't just say start giving. He starts dealing with relationship fellowship issues, yeah. 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 and he said return to me. That that, that sometimes they say repent. Now we don't like that word. <clears throat> you ever had somebody come up to you and say you need to repent? Right. And that, that, don't that tick you off to highest level of tickticity? <laughs> I mean I don't know. I'm not talking about when they're just saying you need Jesus type repent. I'm talking about you authentically up in some nasty, mucky mess, and somebody say to you, man, you need to, you need to repent. That feeling of frustration and punching the faceness just hits you, <laughs> because repentance means change at the core of your being. <laughs> repentance doesn't just mean change your directions. It means change your mind about what God thinks and your, what you think and embrace his. Now, what's interesting and what's ironic here is that you would think they're good because they returned from Babylon and they are the remnant. He's talking to the remnant, not the people that stayed in in Persia. rather. So these are the remnant. These are the people that have returned. So how in the world are the people that return to the geography still being seen as those who haven't fully returned to them? Because many of us think we can go from one place to another and it'll change us. Okay. Some of us say, if I just get out of Philly, I'll be different. Some of us say, if I just get out the hood and out the projects, I'll be different. If I can just get into college, I'll be different. If I can just go to a better neighborhood, if I can just go to where there's less uh, smog and, and, and less pollution, I'll be good. But the problem with that is, you take your little dirty, nasty heart from where you are to where you're gonna be. <clears throat> geography doesn't change your heart. The gospel does. And because geography doesn't change your heart, but the gospel does, we need to recognize that there is no external stimuli that can impact the internal workings of who God created, recreated you to be. And so when God says this, he said, return to me. He said, I want you to repent. I want you to turn back to me. So so so, so he says, Turn back. But then he's giving them ways in their life that they turn back. So, 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 so practically now he's going to say, now, now this is the way you turn back. Uh, he says, will a man rob God? Now, I want us to be careful here. Because we're going to run up against some content, what's called continuity and discontinuity principles. And, and, so, and, so, and so, so we have to reapply based on the new covenant as we read back into the old covenant. Because the Bible says that all Scripture is profitable for teaching. So therefore, you should be able to go everywhere in the Bible and get a practical principle that's pertinent for your progress from the pericope. And so as you look here and you say, will a man rob God? This word rob is is just a crazy word. It, It means to plunder, exploit, theft. Or stealing something by force or deception, you know. And and and, and so so how how, how do we? Do? I gotta read what I wrote here because I wanna say it just like it said right here. We don't owe God the tithe. I'm gonna talk about that in a second, like they did, in the same sense as the Old Testament saying. But we owe generosity to God. I'm gonna break that down in a second. So 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 we owe generosity. We don't owe the tithe. Now let me tell you something. This is pastoral suicide, because I'm telling you that in pastor circles, what I'm saying it it will is like sacrilegious. Because, because I know that's right. Because, because we think that if we don't utilize the curses in this text, that you won't be motivated by the Holy Spirit to give. So we have to, we have to, we have to we have to use the law as a motivating mechanism to make you give. And we know because we know, but the issue is we know how sheep are. Yeah. My, my, my. Wow. Sheep or sheep. Wow. Right. Somebody like, what, it don't have nothing to do with me? Okay, cool. Right? You know, we'd be like that. Ain't got no. But no, this is what a man rob God? It it, it 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 is possible through lack of generosity to rob God through robbing the church of the responsibility of ministry to the world through evangelism, mission, discipleship, and acts of mercy. See, see, see. you, you can rob it because what you're robbing is God's glorious mission going forth through the church. So when you decide that you're not going to give and you're, gonna, and, and, and you're not going to invest in it, you're not investing in a preacher. You're investing in proclamation of the gospel ministry through the church. And so most of us have been, or have been molested mentally by Satan's mess to, 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 to think that giving is for the preacher. The text didn't say, did you rob the priest? He said, will a man rob God? Now, this is important because your giving... No matter whether you like what was said from the pulpit, whether you like what's being done, it's to God. Now, that doesn't give us a license to be fools with the resources. Are y'all trekking with me? However, you have to see your investment and your generosity as a relationship issue with the living God first, not what you like or dislike about a location where ministry takes place. And so he asks the question, would a man rob God? Y'all makes it clear. Their lack of discipline, commitment to the Lord affects the promotion of his name in the world. Ah, it's in the text. Look at chapter 1, verse 6. Look at what it says. It says, But if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is your fear of me? Who despises my name? How have we despised your name? Then verse 80 says, Present the blind and and animal sacrifice, and then it goes down in verse eleven. There it is. My name will be great among the nations. Look at look at the latter part of verse eight. In, in, uh, my name, in every place, because my name will be great among the nations. Look at verse 14, and my name will be feared among the nations. Somebody going to get it in a second. Verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, honor my name. Uh, verse 5 of chapter 2, stood in awe of, there it is again, my name. Look at verse 16 of chapter 3, it says, fear the Lord in a high regard, there it is again, for his name, verse 2 of chapter 4, but for you who fear my it's about his name, it's about his name, it's about his reputation, it's about that going on, my dad, my dad would say, boy, watch how you act in these streets, why daddy? Because you got my name, because my father knew that no matter how good he is, The way I acted was a reflection on him. And God wants us to be about his glorious name. Giving is about getting the name out. The reason why we're doing a daycare center is for the name. So whenever someone see kids being treated right, kids being happy, kids being healthy, intellectually engaged, then we'll let them know that it was about his name. When they see kids... Uh, 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 With with beautiful backpacks on, not fighting back and forth from school, and jumping each other on the street, and excited about going to school, and and being engaged in the classroom, and being developed in their neighborhood, and and the community starts growing up generations through the school that are being, well, we'll tell them it's about his name when we do technology. And, one, and a billionaire developer comes out of the neighborhood because you didn't know who you was ministering to who was sitting in the seat in that technology room learning coding and develop an innovative app in a neighborhood where the average income per household is 15000 15, per household. And that kid is blown away by not only the technology that they learned, but the name that they heard in the technology room. We get to glorify God because of oh, his name. The name. The name. The name. Now if, it, if it's not about that, we just got a good social service entity. It's got to be about the name. When you see men, men realizing, man, I didn't know the church could do this. I thought y'all just did Sundays and Wednesdays. No, we believe our motto, sir, is showing off the glory of Christ in every area of life. Every. That's our goal, family. And so when God is, your generosity is about his name. The reason why thousands of miles away in Malawi, Africa, there are kids going to school, girls no longer getting raped walking two hours in the rain to school is because you invested money to get the school built now a compound exists over there an entire compound that was that started with the seed of epiphany fellowship being the first ministry to invest in it which god used to attract other ministries around it the government saw what was going on and those villages for the first time in thousands of years history of that location ran water lines out there, and they got fresh water for the first time, and Pastor Monda said, listen, it's all about the name! It's all about the name. (laughs) He says to them, he says, but why are you robbing me? He says, by not making payments of the 10th And the contributions. (laughs) This is the good part. See, later it's going to say bring the whole tithe. Now, you have to understand that there are three tithes. There are three tithes. You know, there's the Levitical tithe, there's the temple tithe, and there is the tithe for the poor. All of those three tithes are agricultural tithes. You can check between Deuteronomy 11 to Deuteronomy 14. Those those, those are three tithes. Now, it's really tithes, not tithe. Now, you have to understand how it's structured. So that means that it's between 23 and 30%, not 10%. That's three-tenths. But one is only given at certain seasons of time, during the year of Jubilee. Check me out. So when we look at this idea of tithes, and we we preach it, we don't also know this. uh, uh, Israel was a theocracy. Theocracy is God rule government. In other words, God doesn't get voted in. He's God, and that's it. And no, who should he? No, God. Right? And God appoints people to govern under his theocratic rule. Now, what ended up happening is, Because Israel is a theocratic government, they have to pay taxes. The tithe, part of the tithe is the taxes that you pay to run the country. So when you talk about bringing the whole tithe in, you're not realizing that part of the way they tithe was to run the country. And so when you use this text as a way, because later it says bring the whole tithe, it's like, like, what, what are we talking about in relation to the tithe? Now, when did the tithe begin? I'm glad you asked. The tithe began, uh, the first first offering was in Genesis chapter 4. The first tithe is in Genesis chapter 14, verse 8, where where my man Abraham tithes to Melchizedek. Now, what's interesting in Genesis chapter 14, verse 8, is is, there's a principle in hermeneutics called the law of first mentions. The law first mentions is whenever something is first mentioned, whether it's marriage, whether it's money, whether it's sacrifices, it defines the way you look at it in the rest of the Bible. So now, tithing predated the law. Okay? So now, now, does that mean tithe? Let's look at the text in Genesis 14.8. When you look at Genesis 14.8, when Melchizedek came and blessed him, Abraham wasn't asked to tithe. The text says, Abraham gave from all of his possession. It just happened to be a tenth. So, even prior to the law, Abraham knew that God blessing you meant a response of blessing him back. Now, why is this so important? All of this is so important for us to begin to understand the way the tithe works. Now, when we look at the Bible, and y'all still struggling with me, right? Yeah. Hebrews chapter 8 lets us know something. But before you go to Hebrews chapter 8, just write these down because I can't go to them all. Chapter 6 talks about Jesus being a part of a greater priesthood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chapter 7 lets you know that Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, which means that his priesthood predated the law. Yeah. The Bible says it's an eternal priesthood. It's so since it's an eternal priesthood, listen, the Bible says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 7 that Aaron tithed to Melchizedek when he was in the loins of his daddy, Abraham, when he tithed to Melchizedek. So in other words, in some way, shape, or form, he tied to a Christological priesthood, which is bigger than the Levitical Aaronic priesthood. Oh, ain't nobody going to look at me right. And so, and, so, and so now the question is, does tithing, listen, does tithing, oh, I don't want to get to it too quick. Does tithing, is, is it for the New Testament? Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. We're going down to this verse. I got a lot of notes, y'all, 21 pages. I'm just passing some stuff by that we just never going to get to. All right. Y'all passed that already. Yeah, we gotta go past that. Oh man. That's beautiful. Oh, contribution. We did tithe. That part was tithe contribution. Contribution is free will offerings. So tithing was what you had to give. Contributions are what you wanted to give. Okay? And so he said, you're but he calls not giving a contribution robbery. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. my, my goodness. That's great. Even though it's not required, it's required. In other words, God requires you to just give sometimes. Now, 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 somebody say, oh, no, nah. okay. Somebody say, the Holy Spirit's like, you need to give $100 to that person. You know, Satan, I rebuke you right now, your voice in my life. I come against every demonic assignment right now, you know. The devil ain't going to tell you to give. The devil ain't going to tell you to be here to tell you to buy some weed. <laughs> Somebody lifted their hands like, I know that's right, Pastor. He will tell you that. He told me the other day. Help me, God. Help me, God. <laughs> I love my family here. But look at verse 9. He says, you are suffering under curse. This is what people love to molest churches with. Yeah. You're suffering under curse. If you, if you don't tithe... It's funny, they never teach the contribution. They always teach the tithe. Yeah. Always. always. And what's interesting is he said, you're going to suffer under curse. So your car is going to break down and all this. Then you beside the road. I must it was because I didn't tithe to the Lord, man. <laughs> Look at right here, right? No, that's called circumstances or discipline. Of the Lord, maybe. But not curses. Because I'm gonna show you why we're not under a curse in a second. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 through 13, he says, You have been bewitched. Yeah. The word bewitched in the Greek goes back to a word in Deuteronomy 28 or 18, one of the two, and and it goes back to pointing out spell casting. In other words, Paul is jamming up the Galatians because they let the Judaizers, people who were coming in telling them they had to be under the law as a rule of life, said that they had to keep the law. When you are in Jesus, but you're trying to keep the law as a rule of life, you are under witchcraft. You're under witchcraft. He said, who's bewitched you? Now, why is this so important? Because verse 13 is the shouting verse. I love it already. I feel the Holy Ghost right here. Because in verse 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So what does that have to do with? It means that on the cross, Oh, none of us could keep the law but what God did is he wanted to give us the Abrahamic blessings and the blessings of the law without the curses of the law because the law was sort of a covenant of works because it was a unilateral and bilateral covenant I don't have time but what happened was on Jesus on the cross he took every curse of the law he took the devourer and put it on Jesus Jesus he put sickness and put it on Jesus because of sin. He, he put all of the curses of the law, God, God God putting you off in captivity, he put those all on Jesus on the cross. And when Jesus died, guess what? 1 Corinthians 15 calls him a seed. When he goes into the tomb, that's him going in the fertilizer of the spiritual ground. When he came out of the grave See when you get fruit Every time you get fruit You don't just eat up all your stuff And throw it in the trash When you get your fruit You cut it And you take some of what's in it Out So that you can re-sow it So it'll grow more When Jesus walked out of the grave And he preached to his 12 And to the 120 And then to the 500 To a guy that had just denied him He restored him in a few days, and he preached, and 10,000 people came to Jesus. And now we're in the room. Why? Because Jesus was the seed that went in the ground, and when he got up from the grave, the Bible calls him the first fruit. He's the first fruit of all creation. So it means be generous. It means be generous. Not tithe as a rule of life. How do I know? I'm gonna leave you with this and I'm out your way. I'm gonna leave you with this and I'm out your way. <coughs> we say this verse every week. This is our designation for giving. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. Now this I say he who so sparingly will also reap what? And the one who sows bountifully will also reap what? Let each person That's what you do. That's it. If you sow sparingly, you don't get nothing. You get a little something. You don't give nothing, you don't get nothing. If you give a lot, you get a lot back. Now let me see if I can make it plain. and I promise I'm out your way. So my, my kids, I, I, you know, I love it when they're in the phase where they don't understand certain things because they can be occupied. So we'll go to like Dave & Buster's or, or Chuck E. Cheese or something. And when they're real small, they'll get on the game and just start doing like this. And it's on the demo mode, so they don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's like this. They're going like this and doing everything. They're just having a good time. Having a, having a good time. But then... The, the credits come up and they're like, oh, they're looking like, wondering why it's not working. But then the demo come back and they start playing again. But then they get to a point where they get old enough to know that they're not actually playing. So they start talking like, Mom, I want to play a game. I want to play a game. So I was like, dang, they're out of that season. <laughs> right? <clears throat> but sometimes when another one's in the face, they don't understand why it's not working. They say, why is it not working and I'm doing all this work? I say, they because you didn't put nothing in it. Because when you put something in it, stuff will start working like it wasn't working when you were trying to do it the way you did it. If you sow into the kingdom of God, you'll get back from the kingdom of God because God always has a reciprocity system of when you put in the kingdom, you get back out of the kingdom, and God chooses how the harvest comes. Let me tell y'all something. Let me tell y'all something. This is a, I was doing a, a session over other day, counseling session with one of our beautiful members, and, and they were like, out of nowhere, they were just like, you know, pastor, you know, been going through some things, been struggling, you know, and the Lord was like, you need to give me this. And she's like, Lord, you know where I am. And it was, it was like the Lord beat her up about it. He just kept saying, do it, do it, do it. And she said she broke down and did it. She said, within days, she got back what she gave. I can remember being in school, seminary, and the Lord, my wife had just got sick for the first time, and I was was working one job, I had to get two jobs. God was like, I want you to get one, and you're gonna be (laughs) part-time. Because I want you to get everything you're supposed to get out of this season. I was like, God, I, you know, I follow you. I told you that, right? But there's a sheet of paper called a budget right here. <laughs> that, you see this? When I get the check, this is the budget. God said, who called you? <laughs> said, what you're going to do, I ain't know nothing about raising support. He said, you're going to write a support letter and send it to your family members. Now, in my context, you're a bum when you do that. Why that nigga don't get a job? Y'all, y'all better know I'm telling the truth. So I was like, so I was like, I was like, man, the people are gonna think I'm a bum. We just got married. And God was like, trust me. Wrote the support check. I mean letter, not check. <laughs> <For her. laughs> and and I said, okay, and I sent it. Quit my job. She was in grad school, I was in grad school. We had rent, we, we didn't have insurance. Mm-hmm. Also, this is crazy, we didn't have insurance. Also, what else, we just didn't have nothing. I mean, I was about to say, <laughs> this ain't nothing. Working this job, and I work at the prison, and I can remember, l- we going through the couch looking for coins so I could pay for parking. Two dollars, we found two dollars, we find two dollars every Sunday. we invite people to sit down so that we could have, <laughs> Sit right here, sit right here. Sit right here. (laughs) (laughs) And I can remember, I can remember getting my first paycheck post, the jump. And I was like, now you don't, the weights. And I was just like, Lord, trust me. And so it was time for giving. We had, clasped hands and prayed. So we're going to give. You know, tithing is a good starting point, so we like, we'll do that. We said, we're going to still give. And that was less than nothing than the nothing we already had. Yeah. Right. But we knew that we wouldn't feel right not giving yeah. because it's a part of our spiritual life. Yeah. So I'm walking around campus, you know. We had a food pantry. I was going to the food pantry in grad school. To feed my family then I went we went to the, they had a free thrift store we get suits and then I go and because we had to wear suits at seminary at that time and I went to the box there was checks in there wow. Wow. checks wow. <laughs> wow. and it was family members that went to traditional churches and people that went to traditional churches who I didn't believe would invest with it and because of the framework of giving was different. Not that they didn't give, just the framework was different. And God just started sending stuff. We finished seminary. Matter of fact, the church found out what was going on with us. Oh, God. And they paid our insurance as a part-time employee. They started investing, and people came around and started bringing stuff, and it was humbling for me because I had to trust the body. Yes. Yeah. But God said, just keep doing it this way. I'm working on your heart. I'm working on your heart. You're going to have to... I want you to need me and my people. So I'm, I'm intentionally not giving you everything you need to you so that you can learn to trust me in the way I work. And I said... And I, I know what give us this day our daily bread means. I know what that means. <laughs> and so I'm just trying to tell you today you can't beat him. Give it. You, you, you can't beat him. You can't beat him. You can't beat him. Stop being stingy. Stop being stingy because God wasn't stingy in Christ towards you. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Lord, thank you for your flagrant generosity. God, thank you for your love and kindness towards us. Lord, I pray. There's someone here that doesn't know Jesus. and Savior. God is waiting to be generous to you. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond...